Our scripture today will be from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. This is the word of God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses will give you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of Valor among you shall pass over, <clears throat> over arm before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also shall take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the, land of, to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered them, and that you have all that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will, we will also obey you. <clears throat> Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words... Whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Colton. Okay, uh, I think you can see we're kind of starting the, the book of Joshua. We've been in Acts for, for quite some time, and we're going to pick Acts back up in January, but we're going to take this fall semester and go through Joshua. Now, uh, imagine you're hanging out with a guy, and he tells you, hey, I've been, uh, I've been trying to make, pick up the habit of, of reading my Bible and really applying what it says. And you ask him, say, that sounds cool, so, so how are you doing that? And he says, well, I've been reading in Joshua, and I saw in chapter 1 there was this repeated command, be strong and courageous. And, and I was thinking about how there's this guy, he's kind of a bully at work, and I think I'm going to say something to him. I think I'm going to tell him, like, hey... You shouldn't be treating the people the way you're doing to be strong and courageous. Then you might say, 
Oh, that's, that's good for you. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a good way to, that's a good thing to do. Let's consider another example. Let's say he's been reading Joshua 1 and this command to be strong and courageous. And he says, you know what? I've noticed I'm kind of weak when it comes to driving. I let people cut me off and, and get in front of me and go in front of me and all this stuff. And I'm no more Mr. Nice Guy. Now I'm going to be the one cutting people off and no one's going to cut me off. And if they do, they're going to pay. You'd be like, well, I'm not quite sure that's what that text means, but we'll see. Well, let's say it goes a, a step further. Let's say, been reading Joshua 1, be strong and courageous. And then he says, you know what? I'm tired of people insulting me and, and disrespecting me. And the next person to insult me, I'm going to punch them right in the face. And I don't care if it's a man, woman, or child. And you would say, I think we have an interpretation issue here. I think you're misreading the text. And so here's the thing. So, so there's, this, there's this spectrum where we feel like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds like a good interpretation. And then there's this other side where it's like, okay, you definitely have it wrong. But, but how do we discern between what's, what's right, like what's rightly interpreting that text and what's wrongly interpreting? Like with these three texts, we kind of have these three examples and we think, okay, one is good, two is weird, three is terrible. But if they're being strong and courageous... And Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, in other places, is saying, be strong and courageous. And if they're being strong and courageous, aren't they obeying the Scripture? I think you would say no. It depends on what they're being strong and courageous about. So this text isn't just a blank check to be strong and courageous uh, and, and, and about whatever you want to be strong and courageous about. God's here dealing specifically with Joshua and God was speaking to Joshua here in chapter 1, and he was not speaking to us. But we would be wrong to dismiss it as having nothing to do with us, because it actually has a lot to do with us. But in order to understand how it applies to us, we need to figure out how it applied to Joshua. And there's two reasons why the Lord told Joshua to be strong and courageous. First, God was giving Joshua a specific job to do. And second, Joshua would not be doing this job alone. God was, God was going to be with him in a unique way that would give him success. So if you want this uh, be strong and courageous command to apply to you, you need two things. You need to be following God's instructions, following God's word, and you, and you need God to be with you, God's presence. So, so the two points, the two categories I want to consider today is first, God's word, and second, God being with us, God's presence, and how this applies to this, be strong and courageous. So number one, let's talk about God's word. Now, if, if the book of Joshua was a, was a newspaper, then the, the headline might read, Moses is dead. I mean, this was a big deal for them. They, he, he's the one that brought them out of, of Egypt, was taken to the promised land. They didn't quite make it to the promised land, and Moses was now dead. Moses was the clear leader of Israel, but he would not lead them into the promised land. That would be Joshua, who was going to take over that role. And in verse 2 through 9, we see that Joshua gets a word from the Lord. And the main instructions that Joshua receives from the Lord is that he's to cross the Jordan River and take the land that God is giving him. Now, first off, we don't think about crossing a river as a big deal. You just go over the bridge and get there. It was a big deal back then. And then taking land was no small thing either. It wasn't just empty land or they had money they were going to buy it. There were people occupying the land that they were going to have to, they were going to, have to fight. 
And so, so this land, the other thing with this land, it wasn't just land that Joshua liked or thought would, would work for them. It was specific land that God had appointed for them to have. And so Joshua ha- had to cross this river. He had to take this land. It was a direct and clear command from God. He must obey it even if he doesn't want to. Hence, the call to be strong and courageous. So being strong and courageous is about obeying the word of God. That's the big connection there. The command to be strong and courageous is about obeying God's word. And a big part of obeying God's word is obeying it even when everything in you doesn't want to. So so let's try to bring this idea of obeying God's word and kind of bring it into our lives a little bit. And, and one of the things that Paul often did in his letters, the Apostle Paul, when he would start to, to chapters like 1 through 3 in Ephesians, for example, he would kind of explain the gospel. And then 4 through 6, he would kind of work out the implications. And he would always do it through the home uh, and work. So we talk about marriage uh, relationship, we talk about the relationship with parents and children, and he would talk about work often. And so I'm going to kind of push this out into this. So let's say you're married and do not want to be married anymore. Your life is not what you thought it would be, and you feel like if this is what you, you thought it would be when you got married, you would maybe chose, you maybe would have chosen differently. Your marriage does not make you happy. It actually is a source of pain. But you don't walk away because it would be disobedient to God. So you need to be strong and courageous moving forward. That means if you're a husband, the scriptures are calling you to nourish and cherish your wife. In Ephesians 5, it's clear as day, nourish and cherish your wife. In 1 Peter 3, read that a husband should be understanding towards his wife. His job is to understand his wife, and a husband is not released from that if she's an ag or always complaining or unkind and disrespectful. And so therefore, a husband would need to be strong and courageous. God has spoken about this, and maybe, and this is where being strong and courageous would really come into play, maybe even ask your wife how you're doing in those areas. You will notice I strategically had my wife not come today. Um, I was like, hey, it's Labor Day. You should, you should go out of town or something. Now, I picked on the husbands. Now I'll pick on the wives. So if you're a wife, the scriptures call you to respect your husband and even to submit to your husband. The Proverbs repeatedly speak about how miserable it is for a husband whose wife always nags him, even if he's being lazy and passive and irresponsible. God has spoken about this. He's not silent about this. And maybe even ask him how you're doing in those areas. Again, that would be something that would take some strength and courage. And you know, it's interesting. In 1 Peter 3, Peter's writing about this husband-wife dynamic of, of leadership and submission. And at the end of it, of this section, Peter says this about a wife submitting to her husband. He says this, this is 1 Peter 3, verse 5. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And so he was, he was implying the idea of submitting to your husband is a bit of a frightening endeavor. And so uh, as a word of encouragement to wives, this is, this is a really difficult time, and really for husbands and wives, the husband is, is to sacrifice as Christ sacrifice for the church, uh, and, the, and the wife is to submit uh, as the church submits to Christ. So there, sh- there should be this beautiful interplay between both. They're both difficult in their own unique ways, 
And the way we win the other over is not by harassing or being harsh or being nagging or anything, but it's by loving well. And when a, when a husband is nourishing and cherishing his wife, she's going to be a lot less likely to complain. And, and for, for a wife, if you want to inspire your husband, you, you don't want to nag or complain. And, and, if, and if that works, then you've probably created a, a bigger mess or, or a bigger problem. What inspires a man to lead more than anything else would be a wife who's respectful and submissive. And look, I, I got to say, this is not a very 2022 thing to say. Um, and honestly, this is one of those texts that makes me flinch a little bit, the idea of a wife submitting to her husband. But that's what the scriptures teach. This is the good order that God has put into place. And so being strong and courageous is, is relevant to us in this way because it's obeying the scriptures even when things inside of us might be pulling us away from these things. Now, let's talk a little bit about folks who are in school and college. Uh, at some point, if you're walking with the Lord in college, you're going to look around and it's going to seem like the people who are not concerned about God seem to be having the most fun. Uh, and they're drinking, hooking up, partying, whatever, and they're having a blast. They're having this epic college experience, and you find yourself on the outside looking in, bored, lonely. Uh, and in those moments, you need to be strong and courageous. Don't, don't be led astray by what appears to be a good time. Most temptations actually are a good time, at least for a minute. Otherwise, they wouldn't be temptations. And it's on the return where the misery sets in. That's what goes unnoticed, unseen by others. If you're a child living in the home with your parents, the scriptures are clear that you are to honor and obey your parents. Ephesians 6. And this is true even when they're being jerks or unfair. Your parents will be wrong at times. They will sin against you. They will make bad decisions about rules or what you can or can't do. They will make bad decisions. They will, they will not be perfect. They'll be far from perfect. They will even sin against you and obey and honor them still. And that, again, takes strength and courage. If we're talking about getting serious about obeying God's word and doing it in such a way where it intrudes our home and the closest of our relationships, it's going to take a measure of strength and courage to do it. Or at work, maybe you have a boss or a supervisor who's asked you to do things that aren't really your job or, or, or maybe they're just a jerk or difficult to be around. Um, then, and you're not really inspired to work hard for them. Uh, and maybe you're tempted to just do enough, just do the bottom level of what they're asking you to do, just to keep them off your back. But what Pete, the Apostle Peter says is work for them as unto the Lord and not unto man. And so if we're going to talk about obeying the word of God, we need to talk about it not in these grand ways of like going overseas to be a missionary or, or sharing the gospel, even though those would be great areas. But if we're going to do those great things, we have to do the little things well first. And my concern for all of us is that we might rely more on our intuition and instincts to lead us at any given moment than we rely on the word of God to lead us. For example, going back to the home, say the kids aren't listening to you. You've told them over and over. So you know what you can do? Let your kids know you're serious. Yell at them. Speak harshly. And can I tell you a secret? Sometimes that works. We cannot, must not do that. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 4, do not provoke your children to anger. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What provokes our children to anger? A harsh word. James 1, 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
That means if you have a tool in your tool belt that will get your kids in order, but it means you have to sin against them to do it, you must not use that tool even if it's effective. That's what I mean by relying on the Word of God rather than our own instincts and intuitions. Be strong enough to not speak harshly with your children and know that when you're speaking harshly with your children, you're not being strong, you're being weak. I don't mind telling my kids and everybody else's kids in here, when your parents yell at you, we are being weak. Please forgive us. We are not being strong in that moment. Please forgive us and we need to make it a habit because even if that tool is effective, we must not do that and we must ask for forgiveness uh, to them when we do. Now, this command, be strong and courageous, it's one of the more famous uh, Bible verses there are. I, uh, several years ago, somebody gave me one of those uh, cool wooden blocks, and it says, be strong and courageous, love it, got it in my office. Um, it, it's one of those that you might see on coffee cups or social media posts, be strong and courageous. And, and here's the thing, those are great, I'm not against those things, obviously, but it's good to know them in context, because I think we can just kind of apply them randomly, be strong and courageous for, for whatever. And that's not what it's about. It's, it's an encouragement to be strong and courageous in following God's word. The, the, the command, be strong and courageous, is not about following your heart. It's not, about, it's not about following your dreams and making great things happen. It's about obeying God's word. And a lot of times that will be difficult or scary and go against your instincts and intuitions. And it might be scary and you might prefer not to do it. And for that reason, you need to be strong and courageous. And if you're going to consciously choose to follow God's word over your inclinations and intuitions and even your own dreams, then you need to be strong and courageous. And another thing you need to remember about following God's word is that if you choose to do that, then God will be with you in a unique way. So my second point, let's talk about God's presence. Look at what the Lord says to Joshua in verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Then after the people of Israel were told, were told that Joshua's plans to take them to the promised land, they said this in verse 17. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So the idea of God being with Joshua like he was with Moses implies that they will be accomplishing what God set out to accomplish through them. Moses successfully brought the people out of Israel not because he was a good leader. Moses brought them out because God was with him in a unique way and God did great things through him. And so it'll be with Joshua. Joshua will have great success in taking this land not because he's a great leader, but because God will be with him to do great things through him. Now, in Deuteronomy 3, you don't have to turn here, but in Deuteronomy 3, many years before this moment, Israel uh, is, is leaving, has left Egypt. They're on the way to the promised land, and they took out two kings on the, on the way in battle. And the Lord says this to Joshua in Deuteronomy 3, 21. He says, and I commanded Joshua at that time, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms into which you are crossing. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. The Lord tells Joshua that you have already defeated two kings. There will be many more, and you shall not be afraid. And the reason they should not be afraid is not because Joshua is a better general than the other guys. It's because it is the Lord your God who will fight for you. 
And as Moses was about to die, the Lord commissioned Joshua. And we read this in Deuteronomy 31. It says this, And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. And when he says this, I will be with you, is connected back to that Deuteronomy 3, that I will fight for you. So he's not just saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in the room with a thumbs up. I'm going to fight. I'm going I'm to fight this thing for you. And you're going to win this thing, not because you're going to have a good strategy, but because I'm going to be the one fighting for you. So when God is saying that he's going to be with Joshua, he means that he's going to fight for him. And he's going to fight for him in such a way that we see in verse 8 that Joshua will have, will have good success. So God's agenda will prevail because God will be active and he will see to it that his purposes are accomplished. Now, this idea of, of I will be with you and people being successful as God is working is something we see also in the New Testament. It's another famous verse, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's the Great Commission. Many of you are familiar with it. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of age. I am with you always. That means that Jesus is going to be doing stuff towards that end. He is going to use Christians to make disciples. Or to put it another way, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And look, Whatever anyone might think about the church or the church throughout history, no one can deny it has been outrageously successful. No doubt terrible things have, have been done by Christians who are part of the church or the, the church as a whole sometimes has done terrible things. But the church has been the strongest force for good in the world since its beginning. And it's on a 2,000-year run because Jesus is building his church it's not a trend that has faded or will fade. It's not something unique to a geographic area. Jesus has been and is building his church. He is making disciples because he told the disciples early on, I will be with you in this end. And I believe the scriptures teach that if we are Christians who are following Jesus, and by following Jesus, I mean obeying his word, then we can know that God is with us. And if God is with us, we have nothing to fear. Therefore, we can embrace the command to be strong and courageous. And that's not just an attitude adjustment. It is confidence that when we are obeying God's word, he is at work. And since he is at work, that should make us strong and courageous. Now, another thing I want to mention on this idea of being strong and courageous um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but every now and then I'll run across like a Bible verse or hear somebody teach on it. And they'll highlight something that I've overlooked. It's not that I never saw it because I've, I've, I've read the Bible, but I haven't looked at it in that sense. And this happened just a couple of weeks ago. And it was over one of my, one of my favorite Bible verses. Uh, I was listening to a podcast by a guy named David Pallison. Uh, he's a Christian counselor. And he referenced Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I think I mentioned it a lot of times, but it says this. Most of you can quote it. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a sweet verse. And if you, if you struggle with anxiety, 
This should be up somewhere where you can, can see it. it. It doesn't just tell you what not to do. It says, you know, don't be anxious. But instead of just don't do that, do something else. Pray and give thanks to God. And I, I, I've, I've plugged that in and I've, I've found that it helps immensely. And as important as that verse is, I've kind of missed something. Because you'll notice if you're looking in the ESV, that's not the beginning of the sentence. Do not be anxious. Uh, in, the, in the ESV, the sentence starts at the end of verse 5. And at the end of verse 5, it says, The Lord is at hand. Or in the NIV, it says, The Lord is near. And so the starting place to not be anxious or to not be afraid is this. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. But everything, prayer, supplication, make your request known to God. Give thanks in all things. So don't be anxious because the Lord is near. He is with you. He is at work. And you are not alone. And as you give yourself to him, his purposes and his word, then you should not be anxious. But you should instead be strong and courageous. Because God is at work and he fights for his people. And if there is anything you should worry about, it should be whether or not you've submitted yourself to his word and will. Do that and be as bold as a lion. If you're going to rely on your own instincts and intuition to kind of make it through life, then you probably should be anxious and afraid. It's a scary thing. As Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And let me say one more thing um, before... I don't want you guys to, to leave with this heavy burden. I should read my Bible more and, and, and do what it says, though we should. But, but I want to say this. If our God is good, and he is, and if our God is working all things together for good, and he is, then we would be fools to not set our hope fully on him and express that hope through obedience to his word. God was taking Joshua and Israel somewhere. He was giving them something really good. They were going to have land for, for generations to come. He was telling Joshua not to neglect the good he was doing him. God was doing him and the whole nation a, a sweet thing. Don't neglect the good thing I'm doing for you. Obey me. Be strong and courageous and enter into the good land that I'm giving you. And, and that's what we see in the unfolding of the gospel. Right? Jesus had to be strong and courageous to endure the suffering he endured. But he did it not for the sake of being strong and courageous, but because he knew on the other side of the cross were the people that he was saving from their sins, collecting a people for himself. So, so don't take up the burden of obeying God's word. Set down the burden of relying on your own stupid intuition and instincts. Right? We're all, we're all messed up in our minds. We, don't, we have bad ideas and bad habits. We need to set down those instincts and take up the word of God because when we rely on our intuition and instincts, that is a heavy burden. And this scripture is telling us, get out of your own way. Living according to your own inclinations 
will make you scared and anxious. Following God in his word will bring you peace that surpasses all understanding. So may God help us to have our hopes so fixed on him that we cling to his word and that we're careful to do what it says so that weakness and fear no longer mark our lives, but that we would instead be bold as lions because what have I to fear if my God is with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. And that it's not just that we ought to trust and follow you. It is stupid not to. It is a scary thing not to. So help us to get out of our own way. Help us to no longer trust our own intuitions and instincts, uh, but that we would rely uh, on you, on your word, uh, because you are good and you are at work for your people. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.